My name's Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at Carney Free, and this is John Watson, who's our pastor of Life Groups and Care Ministries. As you have already heard in the announcements here, though, this morning, today is Life Group and Care Ministry Sunday, and uh, really grateful for that testimony. Wasn't that beautiful? Beautiful testimony of the, these two ladies who developed such a rich friendship through one of our recovery ministries, Divorce Care, and we're so thankful for all the recovery ministries that we have here be it Divorce Care, Grief Share, Life Coaches, and R3 for those struggling with addictions and hang-ups. So you can find out more about all of those as well as life groups immediately after service today. But uh, John and I have the pleasure of kind of co-teaching this message though this morning. It's been a joy working with him as we've been thinking through the best way to talk about this really, really important subject that is frequently underrated by the church today, and that's Friendship. Friendship's one of God's greatest gifts to us, and it's oftentimes underrated by us in the church. And we're in this series that we've titled Social, in which we're looking at our most important relationships for life. And we spent a couple weeks talking about marriage, and I hope that was encouraging for a number of us over these past couple weeks. Today we're going to talk about something that is common to 100% of us, this longing that is oftentimes not realized for real friends who would stick closer even than a brother or a sister. I wonder if you'd agree that we live in a kind of odd age historically, do we not? I mean, on so many different levels, we live in a really odd age historically. And one of the ways that we live in a really odd age historically is people today are more interconnected and more networked than they've ever been, far and away. And yet at the same time, study after study is showing that in spite of the fact that people are more networked than they've ever been, they're also more isolated and lonely than they've ever been. Isn't that interesting? And we tend to think of this as a millennial problem. It's not just a millennial problem. This goes across the generations now increasingly in America. There was a, a book that was recently written by a sociologist by the name of Robert Putnam. And the, the title of the book says it all. It's a Bowling Alone. That's the name of the book, Bowling Alone. And, and the premise in the book is there are certain activities that Americans used to always do in community, like bowling and like practicing the Christian faith. But over the course of time, recently, in the past generation or so, these have become activities that more and more people are doing in isolation. And a lot of us think, well, you know, I, I really don't need more friends. There's kind of this myth, I, I have plenty of friends. I mean, last time I checked, I had 587 on Facebook. And they are all true friends, let me tell you. But the reality is, many of us are living in a place that we don't have one or two others that stick really close to us, to help our roots to run deep, that we know we can count on during time of need. We don't have one or two others that we would say, yeah, that person knows me completely and yet still loves me. And it's that which brings us roots, to have one or two others that know us completely and yet still love us. Uh, there's a, an author and a theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was um, a significant figure historically during World War II for a number of different reasons, and he's a theologian out of Germany, 
and really led a counter-resistance to Nazi Germany. But in addition to that, he was just this great, great thinker and a wonderful ethicist and pastor. And he thought a lot and wrote a lot about friendship. He was never married. And um, he died at a relatively young age, but he was never married. And, and he wrote this in a beautiful little book titled Life Together. It's a wonderful classic on friendship, Christian friendship. And in the book Life Together, he wrote this. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. And one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. See, what he's saying there is that both of these are needed. He's not neglecting the reality that we need things like solitude, we need things like prayer and Bible study, because without that, we just plunge into the abyss of words and feelings and superficiality. We need to be with Christ. We've got to have solitude. We've got to have prayer with Christ. But in addition, he's saying that community, what we're talking about today, friendship is not secondary to the spiritual life. It's actually primary to the spiritual life. And if we don't have it, we fall into vanity and self-infatuation and despair. Have you ever been there? That you feel kind of isolated, and when you feel isolated, you can get self-infatuated. You can get despairing. This is exactly well what the book of Proverbs says, and, and we're really looking at the book of Proverbs, and today as well, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, some wonderful passages on friendship. And the book of Proverbs says this, uh, chapter 18, verse 24, uh, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a sister. And again, my guess is, many of you have experienced this, that when you don't have friends, you soon come to ruin. When there's not people around you that say, I know you, and I still love you, we come to ruin. But when we have one or two around us that sticks closer than a brother or a sister, sometimes the spirit is even thicker than water, right? You have one or two around you that stick with you through thick and thin. There is just a power to that. And again, my point here as we begin this message is as it is described in the Bible, friendship is not a secondary add-on to the spiritual life. It's primary for us. It's part of what God would have for us as building us up into the abundant life. Preach it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you, Adrian. I'm tracking with you all the way. And we're going to see in the book of Ecclesiastes, which was one of my favorite books of the Bible, because Ecclesiastes paints life as it is, not as we would like it to be, but life and all of its challenges and disappointments and that sort of thing. And there's a verse, one of my favorite verses in this book, in uh, chapter 4, verse 9. It tells us that two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Life is fragile on our own when we're isolated, as we've just been sort of talking about this idea. But there's a special kind of resilience that we can experience when we're in community, when we're doing life together. Make sense? Well, let's make it personal and look at some, uh, some real examples here, and Ecclesiastes is going to help us out. So, if we follow down to verse 10, it says, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. 
but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So I'm thinking, how about the worst kind of falling I can imagine would be falling to a pit or something, and, and other translations bring this up. And I was reminded back, uh, one of my favorite prophets in the Bible is Jeremiah. And at one point, he, uh, he's got a big mouth, and he's got a hard message, and people don't like what he's saying. So he gets thrown into this deep cistern left to die. There's no way he can get out uh, of that cistern by himself, but he's got a friend in the court who uh, plays some, some things and, and uh, has some pull, and uh, through his friendship is able to get him out of there. So uh, Jeremiah can speak another day. Likewise, the scriptures tell us two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? You ever been in that place? Well, we've had some recent days that uh, chill factors dropped a bit where you're just freezing, you're shivering, you're, you're outdoors, and you can't get warm on your own. And uh, I'm a World War II history buff, and uh, I've watched, uh, some of you have seen Band of Brothers. You remember that? It's a pretty famous movie, true story. And I'm thinking about uh, during their winter campaign when, uh, because of uh, a little overconfidence on the American Army, they don't have the, the kind of um, clothing they need to survive the really harsh winter that they're experiencing in the Hurricane Forest. And there's really no way for these soldiers to keep warm except we could turn around and, and, and literally uh, share each other's body heat, literally go back to back. Otherwise, they're going to die. And I, I've heard it's one of the worst ways to possibly die. Another example that are given from the Scriptures, verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. It's interesting because we were just talking about the whole back-to-back -back thing and thinking that when we're alone, we're sort of like a sitting duck here, right? We're just, we're just kind of exposed. We're vulnerable. Anybody can do whatever they want, but when we're, when we're arm-to-arm, we're a formidable force, aren't we? And so whether we think in military terms or civilian terms, we have the chance of serious victory, right? Otherwise, we're isolated. We face defeat. And then, if we just we need another example, so come down to the second part of the verse. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So I've got a little visual aid here. Adrian, you can help me with this. So you want to reach down here? We've got something here. What do we got in there? Just knocked right. your head, man. Yeah, man. This is, this is a, a hardcore tow rope that I pulled out from the garage. And I don't know about you, but this is, uh, this is about as strong a cord or rope that I can imagine, right? And this is what we're talking about when we embrace this idea of community and, and friendships. When we're no longer relying on our own, but we're looking at a different kind of tie here, all right, that ties us together. And I think what we're getting out of this uh, verse here is the idea that, you know, one friend is awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Two are even better, but just keep going. I mean, you cannot have too many friends. We like to tell our kids that. You never know when you're going to be in trouble Needs someone to bail you out. But start somewhere. Start with one because it is that incredibly tough, strong, braided cord that's not easily broken. Well, now, sort of bring this home a little bit and uh, kind of help you join with me in this, thinking about this idea of friendship and community. 
I'd like you to just close your eyes for a few moments. This won't be hard. We're not going to do anything weird. Uh, just trust me on this one. But what I'd, I'd like you to think do about. I have to? Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> what, I'd, what I'd like you to think about is times when uh, you just you were by yourself and you needed a helping hand. Close your eyes and, and, and think a little bit of maybe some of those uh, times that you remember or maybe you could imagine. And then I'm going to just uh, lay out a couple, too, here in a second. So keep thinking, imagining. When did you need a helping hand? How about when you're moving? Who doesn't? We all end up moving at some point or another or helping someone move. You got that really heavy piece of furniture, and you're trying to get up the stairs, or even worse, a flight of stairs. You're not going to do that on your own, are you? You need a, you need a helping hand. How about your, your doctor, your health provider says, uh, today we're going to really put you under. We're going to give you some heavy medication. And you're not to drive home alone. So who's going to pick you up today? Otherwise, the doctor is not going to release you, right? Or how about, Think of those times when you're just really wrestling with this tough decision you needed to make, and you're just coming up dry. You cannot, for the life of you, figure out what you're supposed to do. That's, some, that's the time you need a helping hand, somebody to give you that other idea, uh, that common sense, that solution, and voila. How about that time you're, you're just in a jam? The last thing you need is for someone to tell you why you got in that jam, all the things you've been doing wrong for so long, and, and, and why you're in that jam, and just on and on. What you need is a real friend who's going to bail you out, a real friend who's going to be there to, to lend you that helping hand. All right, you did really good. I didn't hear anybody complaining or squirming or screaming or anything. Open your eyes. And what I'd like you to think about, and hopefully you're taking notes, is this idea that real friends enable us to survive life's challenges and even thrive in a fallen world where bad things happen, things don't always go our way. That's what we're talking about here. This is real friends. This is not our Facebook friends. And just to uh, just kind of uh, add to that, this idea in Proverbs that I want to introduce to you here about sharpening. And uh, Proverbs 27, 17 has a great verse. I love this. And this is a little uh, different translation than maybe some of us grew up with, but I think it even brings us home even stronger how uh, sharpening and friendship come together. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We may have heard it said, you know, we can't choose our family, but guess what? We can choose our friends. Isn't that cool? We can choose to walk down that path of friendship together, right? And don't we all want to get sharper? Don't we all want to get a little better? Here's how to get it done. Here's what real friends do. Here's what that whole sharpening thing looks like. Real friends tell us things that we may not want to hear. We... Uh, <laughs> They don't tell us things that we want to hear. They're not just flattering us, buttering us up, so we'll like them. But they're telling us things that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. You know those things. Real friends point out our blind spots. I can't see right here. 
I don't know about you, maybe some of you think you have eyes in the back of your head or, or that's what you tell your kids. We probably told our kids. But you've got these blind spots. We all do. Adrian, you might even have one or two. I mean, we all have our blind spots, right? Absolutely. A real friend is going to point those out to us and help us to get better, help us to grow. And similar ideas, real friends speak honestly to us. You know, when we really want a straight answer, you know, we, 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 we need an, an honest answer to a question. Maybe it's not going to, you know, be, uh, mm, it might be rough, but we want, we want friends to speak honestly to us. Now, I want to take this to a, a different level. There's, this is in Proverbs. Now, I want to talk about when we get to the New Testament, we have the, the Christian community, the family of God. We have lots of uh, metaphors for the church, but one, I, one, one metaphor is this whole idea of family. And in the Christian family, Real friends can uh, take it up a notch because real friends can use their spiritual gifts to sharpen and build us up. And that's really cool. And real friends can speak the gospel to us and they can point us back to Jesus when we're be- beating ourselves up and, and we're, we're on that performance track again or, or trying to be religious. We're trying to impress God or impress other people. And they can point us back to the gospel which is always good news, and point us back to Jesus. Now, no one ever uh, said that getting sharp is, is always uh, easy, is always pleasant, is always fun. And uh, Adrian, we've, we've, uh, I've experienced this a little bit as we've been talking. Uh, sharpening's not always comfortable. Right. And uh, one of the things I've, I've appreciated about you is you've got some gifts I don't have. You've got some skills that I don't have. And even as we were talking about this presentation to you guys, Adrian, because he cares and he wants us to give a stronger message, he had, some, he had some ideas that he wanted to bring to the table, and which meant I had to change a few things and, and, and rewrite this and do some drafts. You all couldn't imagine to have some opinions, do you? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not so comfortable, yeah. but we, we, we have to be on the receiving end to go ahead and take that. Because the alternative is, if we're not sharp, what's happening to us? We're getting dull. And if we're getting dull, how are we going to sharpen anyone else? That's not being of much use to anybody. So let's get sharper. Let's get sharpened. Let's get better. That's what world friends do. And we've just been talking about marriage, right? In the, in the last, uh, we had a few messages on that. Boy, this definitely applies to our marriages. Because I hope... In a healthy marriage, we're friends, right? Let's sharpen each other. So again, real friends enable us to survive life's challenges and even thrive in a fallen world where bad things happen. Now, Adrian, uh, when we were first talking, maybe interviewing, I don't know, back in April, one of the things that impressed me about you and Susie and and coming to this church, because y'all are just a few months ahead of uh, Grace and me, and you were, you were telling us about how you just decided to plunge right into the community. You want to talk about that and, and kind of tell your story? Yeah, I'll share that. Um, yeah, I think I would just say first, Bob, before sharing a little bit of our story well with community here, is that the reason, the fundamental reason, though, that we chose to plunge into community early on is because the Bible is simply explicit on these things, that we need one another, that we cannot do life on our own. Uh, John talks a lot about the 42 one-anothers that are listed in the New Testament. 
Uh, there's 42 different verses that, that speak to how we would do life together. And last time I checked, I can't do that on my own. I need other people to do these one another's, like practice hospitality with one another. As we talked about last week, encourage one another all the more as we see the day of Christ approaching. To build one another up in love according to each need that someone else has. To, to love one another deeply for love covers over a multitude of sins. John, you were just talking about uh, this reality of our spiritual gifts and how we're to uh, live out our spiritual gifts in community. And, and the Bible even says this, uh, 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift that he has received to serve the others. Each one should use whatever gift that she has received to serve the others. The point there is that whatever spiritual gift, whatever ability God might have given me or you, it's not for our own gratification. It is for the purpose of serving and building one another up. And that we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And on and on we could go because there's 42 of these. This is just the expectation for the way we would live as followers of Christ that we need one another. I think a lot about the fact though, that we, we talk in church circles frequently about what we're supposed to believe as followers of Christ. But, but what about how we're supposed to live as followers of Christ and modeling the very way that he lived? Jesus is unique in that he was always around 12 people, wasn't he? He had 12 disciples who were always very near to him. He had another 70 people that were also close to him on a regular basis, but 12 that he did life with. And then the early church followed that. And if you remember in the book of Acts, as the early church followed that, they, they served together. They prayed together. They ate together. And then God did miraculous things through them to expand the early growth of that kingdom through the church, in the early church. So as we like to put it here, community is not an add-on. It's not secondary. Community is simply the context for life change. It's entering into community together that we know God will change us from the inside out. So, John, to your question, it, it is hard to take that first step. It was hard for Susie and I when we first got here to enter into a life group, but we were invited to join a life group, and, and we said, well, we've got to give it a try. And a number of different questions went through my mind when we first went to that life group. Like, will these guys talk to me like a regular guy? Or will they treat me like a pastor and speak to me in pastoral language? Uh, will I even like these dudes? I wasn't sure. You know, a number of these kinds of questions you have to jog through your mind, but eventually you got to take the step beyond the potential awkward and take that first step out because we recognize that it's a whole lot more difficult being isolated than it is taking that first step beyond the awkward into community. And at least for us, it's been such a gift for us in the 18 months that we've been here that for 15, 16 of those months, well, we've already had a life group, people that are becoming friends for us. And I've just found that throughout my life, no matter where I've been, it's been absolutely critical for me to have a few guys who always have permission to speak into my life, to speak to where I'm getting off course, to challenge me, to encourage me, to pray for me, to help me in my marriage, and hopefully vice versa. And when I've taken that step beyond awkward into community, I found that 
one of God's greatest gifts for refining me and for refreshing my life has been the gift of friendship. So we're the better for it. We, we just couldn't live without a life group or a group of men through men's ministries fought for me, a group of women through women's ministries fought for Susie, uh, some kind of small group of people who have liberty to challenge us, to encourage us, to speak into our lives, as John said, to sharpen us. Now, that begs the question, John, how is that done here? You're the pastor of life groups. Today is life mm -hmm. group and care group Sunday. And so what are some next steps for people if they're willing to take that first Difficult step, which we all acknowledge will be hard, but what are, what are the first steps that people could take? Yeah. Well, thank you. First, I want to just kind of give you some background, uh, and I'll share personally as well. When Adrian was my supervisor here first, and, and uh, each time we met every week, he'd say, how can I pray for you? <laughs> Adrian, uh, every time I'd say, for real friends, please. You know, we left Texas connections there, and we had friends in Chicago, but Nebraska, we didn't know a soul. We're starting over, and, and I don't know about you when, you, when you get older, it gets harder and harder to get started with, with friends, and, and you've got no history with people, right? It's hard, and that part was the, probably the, hard, the scariest part about this transition, so we're praying for that, and, and I felt like God really answered that, and much to my surprise, um, Grace and I got to know um, another newcomer couple like us, brand new to the church, and then another couple that had been around here a while. And we just sort of clicked and connected, and I said, all right, Grace, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and um, what do you think about me asking these two couples to see if we could form a life group together? So with a little bit of fear and trepidation, I did. I approached these couples, and they said, uh, we're in. And so we formed this group, and uh, boy, I, I don't want to ever look back. Thursday nights have never been the same for us, and that was a few months ago. And man, I can't tell you, it's, it's how, how awesome it is, and it's the highlight of the week. We're empty nesters now, and we love the fact that every time we meet, we got a bunch of kids that are, that are with us. We got, uh, got married people, we got singles, we, we got just, it's just a, a great uh, connection here. And, and I'm not into small talk. Those of you who are getting to know me, I just don't go there. And I don't want to talk politics. I don't want to talk about the weather. I want to talk about life. And, and, and we do an icebreaker every time. And we talk about real, we just talk about real things. The other day we were talking about birth order. And it was just hysterical about uh, how, how people are so different based on our birth order and our families of origin. During the Christmas season, Christmas is a great time of year for me. And uh, we got a time of doing Christmas carols and singing together with the kids. And so we could all barely fit in this one room. And I, oh, it just made it. Because that's what Christmas for me is. It's with kids and singing and all that. That's my family background in Texas. So I love that. And then the other thing for me that I like to do with real friends is I like to do road trips. And so when we formed the group, we said that was part of the DNA. We're going to do road trips. So... Christmas season, we found out about this thing, this event happening in Grand Island um, at Railroad Town, uh, celebrating Christmas circa like 1900. And so we took a road trip together with uh, several of the families and uh, had so much fun. Oh, it was just a great time. And, and we do all the other things you're supposed to do. We do the Bible study. I, I learned so much from other people. We pray together. I mean, there was the guys praying for me for today. You know, it was really great the, uh, the other night. But I just feel like we're doing life together. And it's just kind of easy in, in this real safe environment to get to know one another and get beyond the small talk, the, 
the things you're supposed to say, right, and social parties and that kind of thing. So that's just been beautiful for me. We heard a little bit from Bonnie and Joanne, didn't we? Wasn't their story terrific? I, oh, just, I just love it. And they're talking about their, their friendship, and they're, they're both in a life group, uh, in different life groups. And, uh, you know, I was also thinking about it. I get to visit life groups uh, just about every week, and I think I've been to now about 36. And so each week I get to hear your stories. I, got, I get to see you cutting up. And, and, and laughing like so hard, your stomach's going to, you know, you think you're going to burst. And I get to see you in tears and mm. the Kleenex coming out mm. as you share hard things, as you work through those things together. And I, I, I learn about meals you're doing for each other when there's a, there's a the death of a loved one. And, and I see it. And if I pass this microphone around here and then the venue, I mean, we would just, we could go on for days with your incredible stories of doing life together. And I just love that. So I love getting to kind of eavesdrop, be the fly on the wall when I visit your groups. As we do life together with real friends, we're enabling each other to survive life's challenges and even thrive in that world that's so disappointing and fallen and where, where bad things happen. Well, one thing that, uh, that I have learned and discovered in being here uh, a short time is uh, this is an amazing congregation, and really about half of us in this congregation seem to be in some kind of life together kind of community, in a life group kind of experience. I think that's fabulous, and, and uh, that just blows my mind for a church this size, and, which means we've got a lot of incredible leaders who are enabling that to happen. We, we, I think that's great. One of the things I, I do want to say that uh, not only is being in a life group a safe place to sort of help those friendships get established, it's also kind of a fast track. Like if, if you find it difficult to meet people or you're like me, you don't know a soul, and it can really help provide that environment uh, just to make it a lot easier. It's not quite so awkward as you're getting started. I think that's great. So as you think about 2017, a question I want you to think about because we're still in January, right? Would you like to do life together with new friends in 2017? 2017 could be your year. All right, I've been sitting down for a while. It's time to get up. What happened to this chair when I got up? This chair became empty, right? And we've got groups all over the church. We've got about 50 life groups. We're approaching 50. And we've got empty chairs. And, you know, maybe you're here in the auditorium or in the venue. Maybe you're going to fill this chair. I know a number of our groups are beginning to pray for that chair to be filled. So you might be the answer to their prayers. Isn't that cool? Not a burden, but uh, you could join in that community and play your special part. Well, today is a special day, as Pastor Adrian talked about. And uh, it's Life Group Sunday. So guess what? Right after the service here, when the doors come up, you have an opportunity to leave right through here to head straight to the journey wall. And on your left or on your right, if you have questions about life groups, what we just talked about today, or you think you want to maybe take that plunge and do something new in 2017, or maybe you're thinking, boy, I'm not sure if I can uh, do a, you know, uh, spend the rest of my life together in a life group yet, but I could give eight or nine, ten weeks. Maybe we could do that. We've got starter groups uh, starting up in just a few weeks. 
that are going to be here at the church. We've got a number of those going to different topics, and you'll be able to see on your handout and on the screen uh, some really neat topics, including community, blended families, and, and things like that. It's pretty exciting. And uh, as well, we know that uh, some of you are in, in, in meeting in groups for a while, and, and, and God's begin to sort of nudge you and thinking, you know what, I see that uh, there's a lot of empty chairs in this place, people that are not experiencing life together. And, and, and maybe our group could multiply, and maybe I could help get that new group started. So if God's nudging you in that way, and you're thinking you'd like to create more space for more empty chairs, we've got some spring training available for you that starts in February. So when you leave here today, I'm just asking you, just this one day, you don't have to do this every Sunday, but today, would you just head out this way? If you're here in the auditorium, uh, head right to the journey wall. If you're in the venue, just kind of head out this way and go right to the journey wall, and you're going to meet some of the, the, the most coolest people you've ever met with some of the greatest stories you've ever heard about what we've talked about today, about doing real life, where it's more than just small talk, but it's real friendships. So I want to encourage you to do that and, and learn about all of our amazing care ministries as, as well. You heard from Bonnie and Joanne. That gives you a taste. What I'd like to do right now um, is just pray. Pray about what we've been talking about. Lord God, we come to you today uh, just realizing how blessed we are. Lord, thank you that you didn't create us to be in isolation. You knew that we would not survive, we would not thrive, but you created us for community. And Lord, uh, you create, create space where we can have those real friendships. And Lord, we give you thanks today, and we give you praise as we think about all this community that's already in place here in this church, and for all these groups. Some have been meeting for, for decades, and some have just started. And Lord, we, we thank you for those groups. We thank you for those leaders. We thank you for people that have taken that plunge and said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something new. And, and, and those, those new experiences, God, we know it's, it's because of you. Lord, we, we also would like you to uh, nudge people today to um, join, these, join these communities, these life groups, these care ministries. Lord, we ask that you would nudge people and, and help them get over that hump of, of feeling like they don't measure up, that they're not good enough, they don't, they don't dress well enough. Um, let, let, them, let them feel comfortable and just nudge them along. And Lord, we also pray for um, that you would raise up men and women in this congregation and couples in this congregation uh, to, to multiply their groups, to start new groups, so that more and more of these empty chairs would be filled both here in the church and in this community. Lord, we thank you that you are the most incredible and awesome God, and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.